0: Previously on phone booth fighting,
1: the other guy landed twenty five punches to the other guy's face. Right? I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. He goes, I don't give. It. And John said that he goes, it doesn't matter if you're upside down, on your back, on your head. If the other guy's not hurting you and you're hurting him, you're winning the fight because damage is the first criteria. I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, oh.
0: We are back in the bunker in living color on uh, our YouTube page, Frank, at Phone Booth Fighting. You've been traveling, I've been traveling, and uh, once again, we meet here in the bunker. Good to see you again. Yeah,
1: man. I feel almost like a stranger around
0: I know. It's like uh, we have to get to know each other all over again, like... Uh, journey the once. first night we spent a hotel room that's with. right that's right rediscovering i get the joy of rediscovering you that's the line i was looking for from journeys faithfully all right before we get this thing started we have tales of international travel and intrigue to share with you guys uh before we do it frank tell them about low t nation
1: uh, low t nation one of the greatest uh you know things as far as keeping a man healthy and uh uh, on track, uh, you go there. You can have a Brandon. They have a whole facility that a, uh, of individuals that you can call up, and uh, they'll help guide your doctor in the right direction. So you can still use your primary physician, uh, explaining what blood work needs to be done, what you know, what tests, and so you go and do the blood work, and then you send it to them. They can go over it with your physician and keep them along, or they have physicians on staff themselves. At that point, they uh, find out if you're lacking in anything. If you are. They can administer the proper uh, hormonal treatment to make sure that you're firing on all cylinders and you're feeling good. And, uh, and again, the thing that's the greatest aspect of the whole situation is convenience. Because we all know that in nowadays time of uh, being hectic and stress pressed, if things aren't convenient and, and, and laid out for you, then uh, basically uh, – uh, you know, you're not going to continue doing it. So they do the delivery, the drop off of your 30 days at your home, and uh, you're good to go.
0: LowTNation.com is the website. And as Frank said, the product is delivered right to your doorstep. Hit them up on the website. Uh, Brandon usually feels your call personally. He's a phone booth fighting listener, just like yourself. Uh, tell him where you're at physically. He's going to put you in touch with a local lab in your area. A little bit of lab work gets done. They take the ball and run with it from there. We're already hearing from a lot of listeners who are uh, very happy with the treatment. And Brandon tells me he's hearing from more and more of you guys every day. So uh, thank you for supporting phone booth fighting, for supporting lowtnation.com, and keeping it within the phone booth fighting family. This podcast also brought to you, Frank, by Earth's Brew, plant-based nirvana, relaxation, fusing the best of all worlds, health, taste, efficacy, and experience. I'll tell you what, I loaded up with about a half a box of uh, Earth's Brew and took it with me on my travels to L.A., and uh, it's popular out there, uh, L.A. Way. I found it was almost like a uh, a currency I could barter with. I was uh, I was handing out the samples of Earth's Brew to all my uh, my friends and associates out there. So the word uh, of Earth's Brew is spreading. And uh, Frank, you and I uh, always talk about how we use Earth Brew as a all-natural, plant-based way of relaxation after a long day of, in your case, international traveling. Uh, in my case, uh, refereeing uh, fights between hookers. We all have our crosses to bear, but the commonality is Earth's Brew is a uh, relaxing ante- anecdote to all that stress.
1: It is. It's low-calorie. It's it's adaptable or applicable to any of your diets out there, whether you're a vegan, you're keto... Atkins, you name the diet, it's not going to interfere with it in any which way or form. And you're right as far as uh, whether you're having a stressful argument with a bunch of strippers or hookers mm-hmm. <laughs> or you just uh, you did a 24-hour traveling day and you just want to get back on a, a sleep cycle.
0: Antidote, I should have gone with my first... Uh Go to Earthsbrew.com and enter the promo code PHONEBOOTH for 10% off all orders at checkout. A great deal exclusive to phone booth fighting listeners. Jonathan and Joe over there at Earthsbrew want to take care of you because they are fellow phone booth fighting listeners just like yourself. Earthsbrew, a plant-based taste of nirvana. All right, Frank, uh, I tell you what, it has been a... uh, it's been a very busy weekend for me. I know it's been a busy, like I don't know how many days uh, for you. Cameras doing weird stuff again. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on it. As long as long as that counter keeps moving, we're okay. If anybody's listening to the audio only feed of uh, the show right now, we're uh, uh, having a few camera issues with uh, with the YouTube stream, but nothing uh, nothing uninterrupted. So feel free to jump over there and uh, uh, watch the video if you like. You may just hear us produce a little bit on the air while we're working it out. Um, uh, so, you were over in Scotland for how many days?
1: Let's see. Uh, the family and I, we all met there. Uh, um,
0: I mean, a, was it a week? Was it five yeah, days? Sunday,
1: we, Sunday night, because I was in yeah. Kazakhstan, the Almaty, yeah. for the ACB. I left on Wednesday, worked all the way through Saturday, and then Sunday I flew to Scotland, and then Jennifer and the kids Saturday flew from here to Scotland. We met up at the airport. Well, actually, it's kind of a funny story. They were supposed to get there about five hours before me, and yeah. so uh, uh, Corey, had, you know, uh, my friend that invited us out there with his family and, and friends, had set up a transportation for them. So uh, I'm now in Amsterdam when my wife is taking off uh, from uh, Manchester to go to aberdeen which is a you know it's like an hour flight 50 minute or something like that so i'm sitting in the lounge at amsterdam and, and you know i'm sitting there and all of a sudden like an hour goes by no big deal an hour and a half i'm like all right you know maybe she didn't turn her phone on directly you know you know um, you know there's more things to be concerned about besides checking in with your husband mm-hmm. she has all the kids with her you know brit is there helping her as much as she can but uh you know and so um it was about the two-hour mark, I, I I got a little of that upset. You know, you you think those thoughts. You know, I think everybody every once was like, well, what if something were to happen? The plane were to crash, or something that's very improbable statistically, but you can't help because it's your kids and your wife. You know, to think mm-hmm. for a second, like, well, what would happen if?
0: Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden,
1: that thoughts are striking in my brain, like, oh my god, I just, you know, like, could you imagine? You know, I'm not hearing nothing from them.
0: Can I but Can I just alleviate one concern real quick for you in this day and age? You would have an alert on your phone immediately, like a you news alert. You would think alert. that. Okay.
1: Now, hold Wouldn't on. would you? would think, okay. and probably you're right, yeah. but as funny as it sounds, uh, finally, I, I go up to the front. Hey, is there anything going on with the flight? I, I have their flight information. Mm-hmm. The, the girls in the lounge that work with the airport, they call up. No, there, there's nothing going on. I don't know what you mean. everything's fine i'm like really it's an hour flight now it's been two hours i haven't heard from anybody so finally the wife calls me and and at first i'm a little angry like dude what the fuck you know what i mean like you're not gonna call me she's all they rerouted our flight i'm like what do you mean she goes there's a hole in the runway Mm. nobody can land Mm -hmm. in aberdeen so that sunday there's a hole in the long runway and they have two of them but instead of you know they couldn't immediately shift over and they didn't know what was going on they they flew them into edinburgh uh Flyby, which <laughs> then didn't give him any time to get any water or food, threw them on a coach for a three-hour drive into Aberdeen. So obviously, Ronan's a little upset. You know, you think you're landing in thirty minutes, and all of a sudden you're told that no, we got another three hours plus driving in the middle of the night at the end of a twenty-four-hour basically travel day. Yeah, and so. <laughs> Uh, you know so a little bit of stress so then i went up and i asked the ladies about it. I'm like hey there's a hole in the runway they're like no what are you talking about so i actually googled and there was already a, a news i'm like no look and they're like calling up like oh yeah they're rerouting flights I'm like so was my flight gonna get rerouted we don't know watch the board <laughs> so so i sit there for a little bit and they're, they're not saying that my flight's delayed not and i take off like at 9 30 at night and uh and I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, you know, what's going on? Am I going to get stuck here now? Because if they can't land or they just not even going to load the plane, should I start looking for accommodations or am I going to sleep in the lounge? I don't mind. I just – I sleep on the floor, kick my feet up, and I'm good, you know. And so, uh, sure enough, they, they, they call for me to board the plane. I'm like, what's going on? So then I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's happening. But through the phone, I was able to find out that they were using the shorter runway now and rerouting flights. And the few flights that they had rerouted, you know, basically they're screwed out of luck because – they didn't know what to do in the midst of having them come in. So instead of having them circle, they just, you know, uh, rerouted them. So that was kind of our little adventure. So basically, when they were supposed to be there five hours before me, I was there waiting with the driver for them as they pulled up on the coach. And I'm like, hey.
0: You know, that's crazy. I have heard of, uh, you know, flights getting canceled and you have to get on a different flight and all that kind of stuff. I have not often heard of just getting bust to your location.
1: Yeah, they, they dropped them off in Edinburgh. Which was still in Scotland at that point. Then, you know, because uh, that flight's such a short flight, you have mm-hmm. people to commute back and forth. There was, you know, there were there was some school teachers, you know, people that might be spend the weekend in, in, in Manchester or, or traveling or whatever. And, you know, it's like I said, it's basically like flying from Vegas to LA. It's, it's mm-hmm. a quick, short flight up and down. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, so you think, again, you know, I couldn't, I didn't know what was going on. And even the girls at the airport, no one really had any information for you. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're right. The plane crashed. I'm thinking it would be a big news item. It'd be alerts everywhere, but you would also think that if a hole's in the runway and it's diverting flights, mm-hmm. that would also be probably some pretty you know imminent information.
0: Yeah, it's but you know it's still the kind of thing you've got to monitor because while an actual disaster probably uh, would have constituted an alert on your phone, your wife assaulting a gate agent probably wouldn't have. Yeah, so, you know that so, would take a little while. So before my that wife came almost up. did get
1: arrested. Off oh, the what plane do you know? Yeah. Because she sits there and she gets up and now everybody's upset and she's like, hey, this is bullshit, you know? Uh-huh. So the flight attendant on the flyby hears my wife say, oh man, this is such bullshit. So she goes, well, you can't use that kind of language. She's all, I'm upset about the situation. What do you mean? I'm telling my friend, this sucks, this is bullshit, you know? Now we gotta, you know, drive three hours. So the girl goes up to the front and, uh, and and flyby, you need to teach your flight attendants how to have better etiquette because at that point, the flight attendant goes, this is not our fault, you know, this is, you know, a problem with the runway, it's the airport, which to me is a very moronic statement. Obviously, the IQ of the flight attendant not superb because you're right. It's not your fault, but it is your problem mm-hmm. because you deal with the airport. So even though that I know that you didn't go out there and dig a fucking hole in the runway, right. I know that Flybe didn't crash a plane and create this hole, but because they're part of a service that's providing transportation and now that an issue's occurred that's inconvenienced in your guest. It would have been much more, I think, acceptable for her to go look. We're really apologize for the inconvenience. We understand that this is an issue. You know, we're going to do everything we can to try to help the situation out. I mean, maybe that's because I'm an American and I know how customer service works, and it doesn't mm-hmm. so much work in other areas. Well, at least with Flybe, you guys suck.
0: Mm. What is Flybe?
1: That is just a cheap,
0: just. But the, the thing was, are is they it, just like the Spirit Airlines? Of pretty Europe? much. But okay. the problem
1: is, is that Aberdeen's a small airport. Uh-huh. There wasn't a lot of options. Yeah, yeah. I think that three different airlines that actually go into Aberdeen. So at the time, I think we chose that one because of just you know the layover period. It's like all right, we can fly on a nice airplane and wait four or five hours, or we can fly on Flybe and only have to wait an hour or two. I'm like, ah, it's a 45 minute flight. How bad can a plane be? But then now realizing, I'm like, well, you know, then when you pay, you know, you get what you pay for. When a situation occurred again, like I'm sitting there going. Uh, I mean, and maybe I have a little bit of an advantage because I worked front desk and, and casinos and hotels when I first graduated high school here in Vegas. So I realized that, you know, just like if a, if a customer to walk up to me and go, hey, my bathroom's leaking. Yeah. I didn't do anything. It's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. I know you didn't walk into my bathroom and kick the fucking toilet in, but it's a problem so you have to empathize with the guests yeah. i will i understand i'm sorry for the inconvenience what can i do to help try to you know alleviate the issue you and know? and
0: that's that's half of it too is just making somebody who's stressed out feel like they're being heard even if for the moment you may not have the ultimate yeah, no answer no one really wants just, to hear tough shit it's eh, not our fault yeah. <laughs> and
1: basically that's what the flight attendant came up to yeah. the thing because she wanted to use the thing you know you know this is not our fault it's like well no shit Sherlock none of us thought it was your fault did you fucking tell your husband to go out there and dig a fucking hole like yeah. we get it that it's not your fault but then yeah. like you know to have that type of exchange baffled me like I'm sitting down and my wife's like this is what happened and then there was a couple school teachers uh, a couple that were behind her going yeah this is what happened so then I'm like you know cause you know sometimes I'm not gonna lie I know that Mrs. Mir can err on the side of
0: aggressiveness mm-hmm. mm-hmm. oh you wanna come in hold on one yeah, second I'm just, saying, I'm
1: just saying you know whose fault I know it Yes. And
2: the kids. That's whose fault
1: it was not. Right. That's what I do know. Yeah, and so again, no one wants to hear that it's who's, no one's placing blame, but like you said, the first thing, uh, concern of customer service is empathizing with the guests, letting them know that they're being heard and understood that there's a problem, Mm -hmm. and then being told that, you know, we realize that, you know, this is a problem at the airport, it's a safety issue, you know, we'd rather go ahead and divert you guys to Edinburgh than take the chance of causing any kind of malfunction with the plane landing on an... I think that kind of dialogue, I mean, shit, it's all about... I mean, maybe I'm a better ambassador than, obviously, the little flight. But, I mean, I could go up to the front and explain things like, hey, we're all on the same team here. Mm -hmm. We realize this is a fucked up situation. I'm probably fucked up, not working. That I realize that this is a situation that's not, you know, uh, convenient, but uh, we're going to get through this together and we're going to try to help each other out. And, you know, you know, you know the, there's a way to go about shit. You know?
0: Mrs. Mir has the uh, the most ingeniously simplistic way of shutting all this down that I, I, I witnessed not too long ago. Like when you're, you're having all this kind of thing going on, like you were just very, you know, uh, there were a lot of there's a lot of verbiage involved in everything you just said. And she'll just look at him and go, no. No, that's no. what she
1: did. The lady started talking to us, and you can't Let, use let's that kind of play. You do that. You uh, do, yeah, yeah, I'll actually yeah, verbatim yeah. tell me not to use that kind of wordplay, and I'll tell you exactly what my wife said on the plane.
0: Okay, okay, ma'am, we need we need you to uh, not use that type. No, actually, of language. actually, this is better. Wait. Mrs.
1: Mir, could you have a mic and come in okay, here? Okay,
0: give. Hang on a second. Oh gosh, Travis. Okay. You. Okay. All right, tra- can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. There we go. She got yeah. Travis's mic. Okay. So what happens? Uh, ma'am, so ma'am, so, yeah.
1: please. You cannot use that kind of language. Tell him what you said.
2: I said, please don't talk to me right now. No. Yeah. I
1: mean, man, don't speak to me. Yeah. Why said, you-
2: oh, yeah. That, I said, yeah. I said, please don't speak to me. Don't
1: and then, then the girl me. kept trying I'm not talking to, to, talk to talk to her, her right now. the flight attendant. Yeah. yeah. And then my wife notified her that, why are you still speaking to me?
2: Yeah. Because <laughs> then she kept talking. And I said, why are you still talking to me? Yeah. I told you I'm not talking to you. Because the kids are on the plane. I'm working. Look at, I'm doing so much better. Yeah. I said, just don't talk to me. Cause yeah. I'm going to say things that I don't mean. You're obviously <laughs> You're not apologetic for the fact that me and my kids, who've been traveling for 28 hours, have to go drive two and a half hours to Aberdeen. And then Aberdeen was still an hour from the castle. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm with the kids... They're tired, so I'm also speaking for them. Well, and just, then it, t- it took was a 30-hour trip.
0: If anything like that happens in the future, just just do me a favor. Let's try to have enough awareness so that once passengers start videotaping it, just work in references like, my husband has to tape his phone booth fighting podcast, okay? He has to get his podcast uh, uploaded to phoneboothfighting.com. Yeah.
2: I will do that. Yeah. But Richard, which, are you talking about Disneyland? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A, you we, did get to see. First yeah, th-
0: there was an issue with some reservations and dinner, stuff like that. And it was screwing up our schedule. But it was great because. That's the, the key. Yeah. Richard,
2: it's anything that screws up. My oh, schedule, yeah. No, I told I, you. I you
0: were No, you were in the right. But it's like the, <laughs> the this girl was trying to explain to her how how things were going to go. Like, you know, well, we're just going to move you to this time and you'll just kind of be over in this corner. And, the, and she's like, no. No no (laughs) it was great and then because she was she was so afraid she kept going but i i don't she's like no no yeah no that's not working yeah for me yeah (laughs) we're gonna have to
2: figure out a different uh plan well they did
0: yeah well it's it's nice to see that uh the international uh community got a yeah but once we got there
1: it was an amazing experience yeah Uh, yes the castle the castle was a cool thing it was Mm -hmm. built in like 1468 they started the building on it yeah and uh most of it was torn down at this point. It was only one small section we actually got to stay in because the family that owned it, one of the f- ancestors squandered some of the finances. So the the, uh, the the their descendants weren't able to keep up the upkeep, so they had to sell it to their crown. Uh, then later on, one of the uh, descendants then made well on his family. We had, they had enough money to buy it back and buy uh-huh. the lands. So it's basically, you know, a retreat where they do weddings and and different, uh, you know, like this was, you know, an outing with the family, got to rent the whole castle out for the week, butlers, chefs, it was a pretty cool experience, you know, and then each morning they either had fishing or hunting set up or then one day we got to visit a distillery, which was actually quite interesting because, you know, no, find
0: out I how saw it. some pictures of this. This had you in. Uh, apparently, you had packed one of Travis's uh, construction crew orange vests. I yes. saw you wearing that, and you were, but you were also wearing a kilt, and you were different you were, picture. Okay, I like kilts, and you were. Yeah, you were. Now, by the way, that was my first. So, so the whole family at one point was outfitted in the kilts, and I was going to ask, do they just keep a three XL on standby? Actually, I was surprised
1: because you know, usually, especially over in Europe, yeah. Uh, I can't go to the mall and buy a T-shirt because a 2X yeah. over there is like a medium over here. I mean, it really is. like I mean, it is yeah. like
0: ridiculous. Well, like, you can't buy one without looking like a douche, is what yeah, you're Yeah, so I'm yeah. sitting there <laughs> looking around
1: like – holy shit, do they not have any big Europeans? Like, I mean, yeah. come on, man. Like, I watch strongman competition. Yeah. All those, you know, Norwegian and Scandinavian guys, like, where the hell do they shop at? Mm-hmm. Even in Russia, you would think that Russia, like, I could walk into a store, you're screwed if you're my size trying to buy something off the rack. You know, I don't yeah. know where they buy their shit at, or, but the Russians that are my size, you know, uh, yeah. it's not where I'm going. So, uh and so we went to the fitting because Corey's family ancestry is Scottish and they had the whole, you know, he wanted to do a, a big family photo of friends and everybody and, and co worker, you know, his and, and employees and, and and be all together, right? With the, uh, I forgot what's it called, the, the different color for his clan. Oh, the plaid? Or yeah, the... but like whatever it's 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 called something. The, the, the man, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, we got fitted and I walked in there and, and like, believe it or not, the Scottish have a lot of big dudes. So, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. So I was okay. They actually were able to, Mm -hmm. they didn't even bat an eye at it, you
0: know? Mm -hmm. Wow. So you got, you got lots of, lots of, uh, uh, pictures doing that. You were telling me there were bagpipes involved.
1: Yeah. A couple nights, uh, one of the, uh, a bagpiper came in and they, they played and, and uh, it's quite interesting, you know, and then actually one of the other guys, uh, his name was Shannon, was is, uh, you know, played guitar, was in a band when he was younger, not, the finance guy, but you know, mm-hmm. that was his hobby and uh, you know, a couple nights, Whiskey ran deep, he was out there on the piano playing and and so uh, he had a conversation and there were certain songs that they were asking for, obviously, they did all the traditional Highland Scottish songs but then after mm-hmm. a while it was like, hey, could you do this and he was able to do like an ACDC song And but basically <laughs> he explained that the bagpipes are missing 3 of the you know uh, notes uh-huh so it only has like i don't know is there eight notes I, you
0: know i don't know the the intonation of a bagpipe well I, I guess
1: there's eight notes in music right is that true
0: uh let's see there's there's a b c D. D E F G. There's uh, seven. Seven. Okay. Yeah.
1: So then this thing only has five. So it's missing two or missing three. Uh, yeah. They're having a conversation. It took about twenty minutes. I'm yeah. just trying to catch it. But you know, maybe in you know, musically illiterate as you could possibly mm-hmm. be, I had no clue. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I guess there's certain songs that the bagpipe can't emulate oh
0: okay okay gotcha interesting i didn't know that that's yeah, something i, I learned know. about but and and then, now how'd you end up at the distillery what was that about well one of the days to uh, work Corey over
1: there. really likes whiskey and the whole group and actually uh-huh. i got into drinking whiskey uh you uh, what i like it you know what before because here the few people i've ever ordered whiskey with uh-huh. they're always like oh you got to drink it neat and then i went there and then now you have the guy who actually is a you know uh what they call them? Something master who
0: like a brewmaster. Yeah, basically kind of a brewmaster. Yeah. And they
1: sit there and then okay, test. They serve it with water on the side, and you're actually supposed to put water oh. inside your whiskey. Whiskey when it first comes out of the barrel is actually concentrated.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: like if you drink it neat, you're basically drinking a concentrated version of the whiskey that isn't the intention of how it's supposed to be. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, so
0: it's like your orange juice. Right. You got a you, the thing comes out of the can, the s- frozen cylinder. But you got to put water around, right?
1: That. So you put water mm-hmm. in and explain how it opens up and does all these things that that actually people that go, oh, you got to drink it neat. That's not their traditional way of actually drinking it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, it uh, so you had and then uh, stag
1: hunting, which I know we could probably slide real quick, but we had four wheeling yeah. like, and that my back is killing me because there they don't go into a, a blind or a tree stand and, and bait or, or try Mm -hmm. to wait, you know, near a watering path where you know that deer are going to come through there. They have the stags and they, they do what's called stalking, which is you basically go on, you know, and try to walk this thing down to get close enough to take a shot. And that is quite difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's actually, they said that it was one of the hardest hunts that you can actually do in the hunting world. And, uh, we were in, uh, we split up in groups. I was with Bella and, um, the driver they just had toyota four wheelers and so you'd see the you know the stags miles away with binoculars you position yourself uh, uh, to where you know when you get out you're uh, you're downwind of them you know what i mean so their scent's coming at you and you're not having your scent carried towards them cuz it'll spook them then at that point you got to walk through the highlands and the grass there is the most unusual that i've ever experienced where it's like basically it looks like big you know you know how i like hear like i don't know what you call it like a knot in the grass you know like you know what I'm talking about like mm-hmm. in, in grass where it has like a little bump in fields and stuff like if you've ever been out in a field that's not well kept lawn but okay. you know it has a little like knots yeah. Yeah. In the grass. Yeah. Well, imagine those knots being the size of bowling balls mm. and bigger. Yeah. They call them baby heads there. Mm. They're huge. So, trying to walk and have your footing and it's wet, you're constantly slipping and falling. Like, you know, you'll be walking and you think you're, you know, you're okay for a second. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're hip deep in a mud hole, mm. just flopping yeah. down. And then, as you get closer to the, the stags, you have to start trying to crawl on your hands and knees because the way the hills roll, you don't want them to see your silhouette. So, you're trying to stay low to the ground and walk. It was. A two and a half hour walk that, that was brutal. You know what mm. I mean? Like, I had one hell of a workout because basically it's like the equivalent of just walking on a Stairmaster for two hours. Because mm. you have that. Now I know why they wear kilts. You know, one of the reasons is easy to bring your legs up. Because I was sitting there doing, like.
0: Doing that in a kilt, that just sounds like that would end up with like a lot of uh, mosquito bites and stuff. The wrong air? Yeah. What about nah, your, I your genitalia?
1: Well, it was all nice and free and open. To him. Yeah. And I like that part. I actually enjoy the kilt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, with the hunt, nobody's... Hold on a
1: second. What? Yeah, yeah, we don't wear underwear under the kilt. Yeah. Yeah, there's no pants. So, it's just... It's... So, I mean, I yeah. went traditional when I wore the kilt.
0: Yeah, yeah, but not not during the hunting part of it. No, I yeah. wore a... Uh... A loincloth, yeah, probably. A loincloth. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> no. So, uh, you know, but the thing is, is getting up on these stags is amazing. Like, they are so fast. At one time, we got we kind of surprised them we got too close because the way that the the lay of the land we got to the point to where we're probably 80 yards when we finally Mm -hmm. were able to get to an angle where we'd have a clear shot at them Mm -hmm. and uh (laughs) and uh by that point bella tried to set up because she was going to take the first shot and they bolted by the time we found them again the binoculars within i swear to god it was like about a minute
0: travis don't, I don't want to look at hunting pictures. Sorry. <laughs> about
1: a minute into it. Yeah. They're already about two miles away. Like, their ability to just travel over the land was just, yeah is amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, now, is it only, isn't stag male?
1: Yeah, we only shoot the the, the males. Uh, and also, too, just basically, I mean, if you don't do it, the workers have to be paid to go do it. Because there's too many of them. And they destroy the... territory. And they'll actually start starving and feeding off and fighting. So it's actually inhumane just to not have a, you know, life's about balance and about having a natural predator. The only thing is that humans now have eliminated most of the natural predators of the stag because those predators also would prey on us. So now you don't have a top of the food chain. And so now animals like deer, for example, here in the U.S., naturally being killed off by mountain lions and bears. So it keeps the their, their herds manageable and healthy. Whereas with we've killed off almost all the bears and mountain lions because they're obviously dangerous to us too so now you have it to where like in areas where deers just overpopulate lyme disease there's too great crazy so hunting on in that aspect and using it for meat is actually very healthy and we can step into that realm of being the top predator
0: so it's kind of like when you mess with the 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 process of natural selection when you mess with the ecosystem one spot in it and you're going to forever be playing catch up yeah 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 because you took out something that was at that that's what a lot of people don't understand about the ecosystem is if you pull out one little thing it's it's like a house of cards and that's why too like you know with hunting
1: tags and whatnot in areas where the population of certain breeds of animals are not that healthy and strong you're not allowed to hunt them, you know, and that's also why we can't shoot the females, you know, because obviously that would eliminate a whole breeding. You know, you have five deer and one of them uh, you know, two of them are male. Three of the females can be bred if you still just kill one male. You know, the one male can still breed on. Whereas if you start killing the females, you're you're directly eliminating
0: lineage. But wasn't the idea that it's too overpopulated?
1: right but then they keep it within realms and actually there're certain times of the season where it is acceptable to shoot the females but they do population control and understand like okay where can we do to keep this manageable to where again it's healthy as far as the the species is is strong but not at the same time over you know hunted there's just a balance and that's why again it's regulated by the game and fishing you know divisions to make sure that it's not being done improperly
0: you know, I maybe you yeah,
1: have people to step outside of it. And, and, you know, me, man, I don't condone shooting, you know, lions and tigers and bears and shit. But mm-hmm. but as far as, uh, you know, deer, if you are going to eat meat, I think it's a good thing that all my children now have killed something and understand the concept of this was a life. You know, yeah. be respectful of it. Maybe don't they, waste food.
0: Maybe they could uh, launch an initiative to tranquilize them and then neuter them. While there, and then, and then you see,
1: and then we'll pay more taxes for it. It'd still
0: be fun, you'd still get to shoot something, but then we're actually, uh, we're, we're actually part of a long range solution to, uh, and, and maybe not stop with deer. I mean, I, I might advocate for that in uh, certain areas of the country. I'm okay with that, too. Tranquilize, <laughs> spay and neuter, then catch and release.
1: I think they should have a system where if you have children by th- th- more fathers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're on the welfare system, uh, I think we should be able to... Uh, you're
0: just out on the sidewalk one day and all of a sudden a couple <laughs> of guys in kilts just tranquilize you. Dart in the neck, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you wake up, you, you don't know any different. Yeah, same thing uh, on the
1: reverse part. You know what I mean? If you're a male that has three different uh, baby mamas, I I think we need to go ahead and uh, eliminate your ability to reproduce.
0: Well, I tell you what, I have a Unless you're taking care of them. If
1: you are financially set and you just happen to have a harem and the government, and I'm not paying taxes for your kids, then hey, all the more power to you. Have as many women as you want or as many husbands as you want.
0: You know what? I go one step farther than that, though. If you're doing that... I would advocate for the the Brangelina rule which is you okay you're financially set you can pay for as many kids as you can have and all that but about every third or fourth one I want you, you to adopt him. a third worlder yeah. yeah and then you can go back to procreating but every it's sort of like you know when you're when you're out uh drinking responsibly there needs to be one water so while you were doing that Frank I went to uh LA uh for the weekend uh, for a uh, birthday celebration. So, uh, and by the way, thank you, Tra- Travis. Uh, uh, I think tweeted from our uh, Phone Booth Fighting Twitter account. It was my birthday, so thanks. Because everybody, I got nice birthday uh, wishes from our listeners. Yeah, no, we so tried to call you while we were together, but you didn't answer. Oh, that's okay. Well, thank you for... Uh, for, I got your got your call so thanks for uh for for calling but my birthday uh was was actually yesterday so we went to LA for a couple of days uh to do uh, 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 some stuff and the 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 centerpiece of it was uh my my current musical uh crush Jason Isbell was playing the Orpheum oh, right. Theater Sunday night, which is where we've we been
1: talking about that, for like what three months? Yes, ago,
0: right? yes, I've been planning on this for a long time, and uh, he was playing at the Orpheum Theater, where uh, you and I have seen yep. the AC the uh, uh, EBI tournaments that uh, Eddie Bravo you put get to on. Sit? Uh, fourth row, fourth row, ah, center. Okay, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Just uh, a and, and you know what? It was so cool. I mean, we've seen the the jujitsu tournaments in there, but for a concert, it's just perfect. It's the
1: because no, you really don't get acoustics with the jiu-jitsu No, no, you don't.
0: You don't really appreciate the uh, the, the the music, right? But it. I, I was thinking about this. That theater was built in 1926. I think it was when it opened. And you know, back then they had to rely more on architectural design for acoustics because they didn't have the amplification. So now that you've got modern technology, it sounds even better. But you know, those old theaters are intentionally yeah. designed for great acoustics. So it was just a a, a fantastic place to see a a, a musical performance. And uh, what an interesting show! This was uh, this was Sunday night. It was sold out. Um, I mean, not a not a seat to be had, and uh, they were scalping the tickets for like five, six hundred bucks and stuff. So fortunately, we had we had gotten ours uh, when they went on sale. But uh, there were uh, we had some interesting celebrity sightings. Uh, we sat right by Kevin Bacon. He was there. Uh, also, uh, Colin Hanks was there. Tom Hanks' son. We saw him. Does he do anything? Uh, yeah. Actually, Kevin Bacon is a is a musician. Uh, oh, you talking about Colin Hanks? Oh,
1: Kevin Bacon, the actor.
0: Right? Well, yes, but he is also he and his brother have a band called the Bacon Brothers. Oh, really? And they're really good. Yeah, yeah. They have a they have a, a band, and then but, um, but Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks. Yeah, mean. yeah. He's uh, I mean he's he's become quite an accomplished actor in his own right. He was. Uh, did you ever watch Dexter? Uh, yeah. If you ever, yeah, he was one of the seasons the the young guy that was uh, uh, the serial killer with uh, Edward James almost oh, really? when he was on there. Uh, he was doing that and he's he's got uh he 's got a musical uh interest himself he he made a uh pretty cool documentary uh a couple of years back about the the rise and fall of tower records that whole record store chain so uh he 's He's in tune to the music scene as well, and then uh, Jason. How oh, was saying. Yeah, and then uh, Jason Newstead was there, formerly of uh, Metallica, oh. and I did not know that Jason was into Jason Isbell the way he was, but apparently he's a fan just like me. He actually brought a uh, bass, one of his basses, that he was giving to the bass player in uh, Jason Isbell's band. So uh, that, was, uh, that was pretty cool. So it was a great show, great performance. Uh, for our British uh, listeners, the show was opened by a guy named Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls, a British guy who's uh, kind of like a, a British punk folk singer that uh, uh, w- was great. I'd never seen him live or anything and uh, uh, really dug that. So we did that uh, Sunday night. I did a couple other things that I thought you might find interesting. Uh, Saturday night, we went to the comedy store. We saw uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, we saw Mark Marin uh, back to back and then uh, I like some, Mark Maron too I, yeah, like, I like Joe yeah, Rogan yeah he's
1: real political and
0: yeah so here's what's interesting he's an alpha pussy right yes yeah that's right Mark Maron describes himself as the alpha pussy which is you've got the alpha male but the alpha pussy is the guy who makes fun of the alpha right. male who does the best job of of cutting him down Yeah, right? he goes but then there's
1: one goes but you don't say something to him in his face it's like, what, what, what do you mean man I'm over here saying it to you yeah yeah so
0: here's how this works here's the interesting thing the really unique experience of going to the comic. Store. And that's a very famous comedy club. It's the one that's owned by Mitzi Shore, Polly Shore's mom. And it's the one that in the 70s, I mean, everybody was on stage there Richard Pryor, um, uh, Jay Leno, David Letterman, Sam Kennison into the 80s. I mean, it's uh, uh, all the great comedians have have played there. But here's what's interesting about it um, when you go there and you're seeing names like Joe Rogan, like Mark Marin, they're not doing full sets not like their full one hour set. Everybody is doing 15 minutes. And you are seeing them do what a lot of times is new material, like stuff they're kind of working out. You know, they haven't done it on tour yet. They definitely haven't done it on television or any part of a special. So it's pretty cool because you're getting to see some top level guys, you know, you're getting to see the how this how the material begins, you know, like how it comes to be. And so what you do is not. Now, here's the other weird thing about it, too. When you go to a comedy club, normally you've got your, let's say, three comedians on the bill. You got your opener, you got your feature in the middle, and then you got your headliner. And the standard logic is, is that that as it gets further down the bill, each comedian is going to get better or more accomplished. The headliner is booked in that spot for a reason. He's got more time than the opener, et cetera. Right. Except, of course, when you come see me, uh, I'm a very tough act to follow. But that's normally the way it works. Not at the comedy store. Because at the comedy store, they turn the room over one time a night. So there's like, I think, a 7 p.m. show and then a 10 p.m. show. We go to the 10 p.m. show. The, the first comic goes on at 10. The second comic, or the, I'm sure, sorry, the last comic goes on about 12.30, 12.45 in the morning. But they're all in 15-minute increments. So it's like an arc. The top talent, which is going to be Mark Marin, Joe Rogan, Eliza Schlesinger was on there too. They're going to be in about the 10, 10 Eliza,
1: that girl's funny as shit.
0: Yeah, no, she's very good. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: the one, the war paint.
0: Yeah, yeah. She
1: was so funny that I actually woke my wife up, made yeah. her watch it, yeah. And then she started sending like you know links to all her girlfriends to watch it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, she's she's great too. So what they did, so so I said I'm sorry um, I spoke on the time. So if it's a 10 p.m. show, that arc the top talent's going to be about 11, eleven, eleven fifteen, eleven thirty. So the the talent's going to kind of go like this, up 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 up, and then. I mean, not to not everybody's funny, but I'm just saying it's going to be lesser known toward the you know the 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 twelve thirty slot is not where you want to be. You want to be you know Rogan, uh, Mark Maron, they're going to go on about eleven or so when the crowd is at its peak. So we go in from and it's like twenty bucks to get in. So when uh, we we got in there for Mark Maron, it's absolutely uh, packed. Joe Rogan comes on, absolutely packed. Here's where it gets weird. Is Because it's a different set every 15 minutes and it's such a long night, it's not like a regular comedy show where everybody's in, sits down, and stays until the end of the show. After every comic, you're seeing the room move. like People actually get up and will leave while another comic is coming on, Hmm. which a lot of times they end up to sort of try to relieve the tension, address the situation. Oh, come on guys. Everybody got to get up and go all at once. You know, they'll try to make some sort of joke about it or something. But you want to talk about a tough act to follow. I mean, if you're if you've just had Eliza Schlesinger, Mark Marin, Joe Rogan come on in that order, now imagine being the the next comic who, you know, is a, a funny person. I mean, you you you've definitely paid your dues to earn your spot in, in that club, but you're going to be the first in 3 that doesn't have like a, a a national presence or a comedy special out there or whatever. You know, it would be like it'd be like in the you know in 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 Bellator. You know, like I mean, you got your your feature bout, your co-main event, your main event, and then what if you know the the guys coming on right after that had like you know three and O uh, records, almost or something? like your prelims. Yeah, it'd be a tough act to to follow. So that was pretty interesting to see it work that way, and then it was also interesting to see them work out new material because you know you're eventually going to see that stuff on the stage or on netflix wherever their special is but it won't be exactly like that it'll be tuned and you'll remember you'll go oh i remember when we saw them work. oh they moved that part they changed this part that part's now like that so that was interesting all right then we did something and I think, I don't know for sure, but I think this may be of interest to you uh, for when we go back. Because we're going to be there, uh, we'll all be there around Halloween weekend for, uh, there's uh, the Disney Halloween party and there's Day of the Dead at Hollywood Forever Cemetery and all that kind of stuff. So the phone booth fighting crew at all will be uh, in the Hollywood area for Halloween weekend. So uh, I, was, uh, I was staying at a friend's house who lives right by Paramount Studios. And it uh, turns out, just about a mile to Doomie's. And so uh, Jennifer and I ate there twice, just walking to Doomie's. It was like, it was like, I, 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 that place is so good. It wouldn't have worked uh, for me. No, you wouldn't have enjoyed the walk?
1: I wouldn't have been able to walk back.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I can't even
1: sit in my chair when I'm
0: there. i am telling you what, it actually helped that we did walk back. We commented about that. Like, it just kind of got the blood flowing and everything, because I know the first thing you want to do is just stretch out and crash after Doomie's. Food coma. Yeah, you've heard us sing those praises. But we're on our way walking to our first of two visits to Doomie's, and I pass by a building that has a banner outside that says – Dearly Departed Tours. Now, this is, you know, you hear of the Hollywood celebrity tours and all that kind of stuff. They drive around the bus. They show you stars' homes and stuff like that. This is a tour that's going to take you to famous Hollywood death sites. It's going to take you to, it's going to show you where all the Manson murders happen. It's going to take you to. What about that
1: shooting that I was sleeping at? You did what? Remember when I fell asleep, you left me there like, hey. Do you know who died here? Oh,
0: this? that one. Yes, yes. Uh, Robert Blake and Bonnie Lee Baker. Yes, they'll take you to that one. Exactly. Um, Where I took a nap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the car. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we go in and uh, we start talking to the guy who runs it. Now, for our British listeners, they're going to be interested in this. Do you know the name Graham Norton? No. Nope. Okay. He is a huge star in England. He's like I I don't know. He's uh, I I don't know if you would call him like their like their Jay Leno or he's a I guess a talk show host. So
1: Brian Lacey would know.
0: Yeah, I mean I I looked him. He's like the the you know like the eighth most influential entertainer in England or something like that. I mean it's a huge name. Our British listeners are probably smiling right now because they're like, wow, these guys have no idea you know. But I I have heard the name, so I know he's a big name. Well, the guy that runs this tour was the Graham norton is uh is is uh openly gay and the guy that owns this place was his boyfriend for like five years or something like that well now he runs this tour and they have like these buses that you get in they take you all around they even have different themes on different tours so there's specifically a manson tour there is specifically a rock and roll tour where they're just taking you to where you know Janis Joplin died, where Jim Morrison hung out, stuff like that. If you want to see the music side of things, then they have a tour that's just specifically uh, old Hollywood. Here's the uh, oh gosh, sorry, thanks Jennifer. Here's the uh, flyer for it. Uh, you can uh, peruse that. So uh, first of all, interested. Does that sound interesting? Oh yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. What do you think, Jennifer? Interesting, yeah, yeah. So, um, and there's just a ton of these kind of sites in, uh, and you know, we went to the the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. <laughs> Is there anything
1: strange about Bela Lugosi's death?
0: Uh, he was Bela Lugosi, who played Dracula, uh, was a heroin addict, and uh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was an old school junkie, and he had fallen on hard times. Do did you, did you ever see the movie Ed Wood? With Johnny Depp. Uh, he played a film director. It was in black and white. I didn't see it, but okay. I know the movie. So that's a true story. Edward was a guy who was known as making like these B level horror movies. And he idolized people like Bella Lugosi. So he hired Bella Lugosi like in the final years of his life to be in these movies. Um, but Bella Lugosi, you know, lived in a kind of a small house and, you know, didn't. Make a lot of money and things like that. So uh, I mean that in and of itself, I guess is is part of it. Now, in addition to the tour, they have a museum. The museum is attached to the building where you uh, where you uh, leave for the tour and all that kind of stuff. They had in this museum the car that Jane Mansfield died in. Now, do you know the story of Jane Mansfield? Do you know who that was? The blonde girl, right? The blonde bombshell like, yeah. made movies with Marilyn Monroe. Oh, that's right. right. She got decapitated, right? Yeah. Well, not exactly. the The actual decapitation part of it, I think, is a is an urban myth. Oh, okay, but close because this car. All right, so
1: I, I mean, did they run into the back of a truck or something? Yes.
0: Okay. And do you know that that the if you look at the back of any semi truck now? There's that bar. There's like a. It looks like a metal frame. Yeah, so you can't get under it. Exactly. That thing is called the Mansfield Bar, and it's there because of this accident. Because uh, she was playing some dinner club in Biloxi, Mississippi, and after the show, drove to uh, was driving to New Orleans to do an early morning te- television show, I think, and uh, the guy that was driving the car who worked for the club. Uh, wasn't, uh, he came around a curve, he was speeding, he got surprised by a truck that had slowed down, and they just went right underneath it. This car, let's see if there's something online there, Travis. There might be a, uh, a, a picture of this uh, car. Uh, this car, I mean, it was not a convertible, and the whole top of it had just been sheared. I mean, it's still attached, but it looked like, it looked like the top of a of a convertible, like you know, when it's halfway raised before the the top of it has uh, gone into its little see. Area. So it's a good
1: thing that I always lay in the backseat of cars.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Any
1: road trip, I would well, never be killed this way.
0: <laughs> well, here's here's what's crazy about it is it, there you go. There's one. Yeah, yeah. Hit. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this will show you like what it did to the top of the car now here's what's crazy too that i didn't know was that in the car you had jane mansfield you had her boyfriend who was like also her attorney or something like that and then uh see the whole top of that car and then the 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 kid that was driving is like a 20 year old kid that was driving the car but in the back seat you had her three kids one of whom is oh, no, Quay. yeah, one of whom is Marishka Hargaday. you ever seen this she's a, she's on what is she on SVU oh, or something was. like that Yeah she's a successful modern day actress NYPD, NYPD there you go. but uh, Jane Mansfield had three kids asleep in the back seat and five Chihuahuas. and the kids like everybody just escaped with minor injuries. three people up front die. And they had just moved, I think it was a deal like two where they were saying they had just moved the kids, like they'd stop for gas and move the kids from the front seat to the back seat, like they were up in the front seat, you know? And of course, this is, you know, back when cars, there's no airbags. Yeah, but as, a, like as a
1: parent, you wouldn't have it any other way. Well, no. Could but, you imagine? I mean, I, like, if you sit there and go, okay, you or them, it's like, oh, well, obviously me. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, could but, you imagine if you would have switched seats with your kids and yeah, the opposite would have yeah, happened? Yeah. I yeah. just take care of their funerals, and then it's time to check yeah.
0: out. But even back then, I mean, you think about it. You put this in perspective because uh, it's easy to sort of forget. I mean, no no car seats, no, no nothing. I mean, just loose I mean, kids rattling I around the car. I remember as a kid.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not that much older, so I know yeah. you had to have done it. And Jen, like, I remember laying in the top oh, of right. the, uh, yes. the back seat yep. of the car, whatever yep. that like shelf back there yep. is. I used to hang out there. That's that was my spot. When until I got too big for it, you yeah. know I mean? Like I look like a cat just chilling up there. You know, yeah, remember?
0: yeah. I know you had you had that. Uh, you had the uh, remember the uh, you had the 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 ashtrays and the armrest. That was another yeah. thing that went away too. Not really a safety feature. Wow, I haven't but seen that yeah. In forever. Yeah. So they had yeah. the they had the actual. It's car. weird how much things that we sit there and go. Yeah.
1: I forgot about that.
0: Yeah. They had the actual car in this museum. And like it, uh, it was creepy. Like it still had, it, it still had like blood on yeah, the was side still of it. Yeah, like, they cleaned it all off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was heavy. I mean, it was like, uh, I don't know. It it, it creeped me out. The, but uh, but uh, the guy that uh, that that owned it uh, was definitely interested in uh, in in coming on the show. So I thought maybe sometime we would uh, get him on and talk about kind oh, of that's the, cool. Odd ways that you procure these kind of things, and then also the way that you uh construct these uh tours and put them together and things like that. So we did that, and then uh also we went to uh the Rainbow Grill, which is on um it's on uh sunset, it's just uh, a couple blocks down from the uh from the the uh comedy store. Now, this is interesting. So Jennifer and I. Went up into, uh, the Rainbow is since the, I think it's been there since the 50s, is like a classic uh, rock and roll hangout. And uh, there's actually this booth that we went up into. You go upstairs and all this, and uh, there's this little cavernous booth. You have to climb up this, almost this ladder to get into it. And it's called the Lair of the Hollywood Vampires. And that's what this sign is from. This was a, a drinking club in the 70s that was comprised of Alice Cooper, Keith Moon, who was the drummer in The Who, John Lennon and Ringo Starr from The Beatles, Mickey Dolans, who was in The Monkees, and Harry Nielsen, who was a uh, famous uh, songwriter. And they would all hang out there And this sign that's up here on our screen right now was actually put up back then. And it still, uh, sits there. So, uh, there's actually a band now that Alice Cooper has with Joe Perry from Aerosmith and Johnny Depp, and they call it the Hollywood vampires, but it's named after, uh, it's named after this, uh, this little, uh, drinking club that they had. Now, to, to give you an idea of uh, how far back it goes, uh, the president of the drinking club, Alice Cooper, has now been sober for decades. So uh, that's, that's how times uh, change. And, of course, a couple of those guys are, uh, are no longer with us. But it was, uh, it was really interesting to... Uh, uh, I mean, I had been there a number of times. Jennifer had never been before, so she was, like, way into all that. They've also, since the last time I was there put up a statue of Lemmy in the bar. You know Lemmy from Motorhead? Yes. Now, Lemmy is... There's a documentary about Lemmy. It's called Lemmy. Uh, I think it's on Netflix now and stuff like that if, if uh, you've never seen it. It's very interesting. Because Lemmy was a guy who's... You want to talk about a creature of habit. This guy... I mean, M- Motorhead was a world-renowned band. Not, you know, not uh, getting a lot of commercial radio airplay, of course, but selling... You know, millions of records over the decades and and a huge international presence. Lemmy lived in L.A. He lived in a small apartment right off the Sunset Strip right up until the day he died. It was packed full of stuff. Like, you would call it junk, but you'd probably be really fascinated by it because it was a lot of, like, World War II weaponry and things like that, like guns and swords and, you know, it kind of like being here. But, uh, but there's a lot more square footage here to spread the weaponry collection out. This was a very small space. Um, and he lived there, and then every day that he wasn't on tour, he would go to the Rainbow Grill, he would sit on the same bar stool, and play the video poker machine obsessively sort of like your Clash of Clans. And uh they he he did it for Hold on,
1: I'm looking things up as you're talking.
0: He did it yeah, he did it for so long. Wikipedia. And he did it for uh with such consistency that when he died, I guess it was last year he died, it's been about a year or maybe two now. Um they erected a full-size statue. To look up Lemmy's statue. On, I bet there's a picture of it. They put it in the bar. It's a full-size statue right next to the video <laughs> poker machine that he always played every day, and his his special bar stool is now enshrined. I mean, that's when you know you are a good customer to a bar. Yep, that's oh my it. God, that's so funny. I mean, this is... That thing... How did he die again? Uh, he just you know, years of abuse to his body. But he I wasn't mean, really that old, right? Not that old. I think mean, he was like very early seven He might have been 70. I thought
1: he was even in his 60s.
0: He might have been late 60s. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he was, I mean, he made no apologies about the fact that he, you know, lived hard. But he was also one of those guys that, yes, he, he did live hard, but so consistently that you never really saw him appear drunk, you know what I mean? He was just one of those guys that was always a hard drinker without ever... He wasn't ever falling down drunk. It's actually one of the things that gets talked about a lot in the documentary. But this life-size statue of him encased in this marble now stands next to the bar stool that he always sat on and the video poker machine that uh, he... Yeah. Yeah. So... That's what we'll do for you. We'll have a life-size Frank Mir statue, and then right next to it, we'll just have Clash of Clans pulled up on your phone. We'll just have the phone sitting there in a little glass case next to the next to the statue. So that's my idea of a good Seventy. time. Exactly. 70, okay. He died at 70. But yeah, that's, you know, people aren't that's really... It's a hard s- life. That's pretty good yeah, life. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. kinda like
1: a, what's his name? Uh, Ozzy Osbourne.
0: Yes. How the hell is that guy still alive? I know. Do you know we Keith actually Keith Richards? Yeah, do you know we actually made a decision Jennifer and I based on that very thing you just pointed out about Ozzy Osbourne because uh Ozfest is coming uh at the beginning of November and we had a choice. The the one Ozfest is taking place out in um Right by, I guess it's like San Bernardino, like three hours from here, at the Glen Helen, whatever they call it. Travis, you know what that's called, right? The yeah, the campgrounds or Glen whatever. Yeah, out there. Ozzy Osbourne's 68. Yeah. So he okay. So Ozfest is Ozzy's playing one night there, and then the next night it's being headlined by Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie. I've seen Ozzy more times than I can count. And uh, I've seen Manson and uh, uh, Rob Zombie as well. But Jennifer had never seen any of them. And so we were talking about, well, should we go? What which, which day should we go? I mean, it's big festival lineups. And we're like, well, there's this lineup this day, this line. And we actually decided based on, you know, I don't know how long Ozzy Osbourne's going to be around. Like, when is you it? Know, uh, November 5th or 6th, whatever the Saturday is.
1: Hey, if I'm in town, would you want to go? I-
0: Whose daughter is that? She, oh oh no, yeah, that's Ozzy's daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was one of yeah, yeah, well, the. I, say, wasn't I thought the, the daughter show.
1: was really big.
0: Yeah, that's the oldest one. That's Amy. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're in town, let's let's load up the car and go. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, it's either it's a Saturday. It's either whatever November fifth, sixth, whatever that Saturday is. Yeah. Nope. I'm in Sweden. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, how many dreams get crushed these days based on that? Oh, you know what we should do? Nope. I'm in a country that ends with the word "stand." Oh, Sweden
1: this time. I'm not it's like that bad.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, um, this has been a little interesting. Uh, oh, hey, you know what? I got something for you. I We received a piece of mail that... I think Frank, at least to my knowledge, may be from our youngest podcast listener. So oh, I'll let man. you let you open that up.
1: You're gonna make me feel like I gotta edit my uh, or
0: yeah. Go ahead and tell her about what the, 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 this person's what the Hunter
1: Bettingsfield.
0: Okay, and what town does he live in?
1: Lives in uh, Maple Valley, Washington.
0: All right. So Hunter has uh, he's got a self-addressed stamped envelope there and he sent uh let's see what he sent. he's got a couple of pictures of frank he wanted to get signed here uh, he, so and, there. there's a little letter in there so maybe you can read the letter okay he's got a solo picture of frank and then a poster or a little picture of him and then when he fought bigfoot what does it say there frank uh,
1: dear frank my name is hunter Uh, again, Mm Braddinsfield, and I'm uh, 15 years old and one of your biggest fans, In and Out of the Cage. I love the podcast. Keep up the great work with it. Also, I cannot wait for more. Uh, Wait for your next fight. It would mean so much to me if you could sign these photos and send them back. Thank you so much, Hunter B. All right. I appreciate it, yeah. So we'll get Frank. Fifteen. Okay. I don't feel so bad. I can cuss around a fifteen-year-old. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we. Who knows? We may have a listener. We may have a listener uh, younger than that. But uh, so far on record, fifteen-year-old uh, Hunter is to my knowledge our uh, youngest listener outside Man, of your and you're telling brothel
1: stories and i know making fun it, of strippers it made me
0: think <laughs> it made me think i was like
1: okay is there an explicit thing on our thing to make sure people know it's like look there you, is
0: you opened the door on this you know that's right no there actually is yeah okay. so uh all right well thanks for writing hunter and we'll uh we'll Absolutely. get the picture signed for you and uh sent back so i uh, appreciate you spreading the word about the podcast we're taping two today yeah. So uh, uh, we're gonna space these a few days apart, but uh, uh, we're actually doing a uh, double double header today. Take a lunch break. Yep, we're, we're gonna take a, a lunch break we'll, and then we'll uh, run around and we'll come back. Yep, and uh, maybe uh, talk some fights on our uh, next episode because we, we had to have one episode just to get caught up, just to tell travel stories yeah. and and things like that. And uh, uh, the uh, man, I don't even. I know. do notice
1: you do a much better job of not calling me now.
0: Of not calling you,
1: yeah. Because before we'll call and talk to each other, we're like, "Oh man, we got to save this for the podcast."
0: Oh yeah. How yeah. many
1: times have we had that conversation? Yes. Like, oh man, oh. and so now it's like, I just noticed it's like, "Hey, how you doing?" All right, you know, it's like, "All right." Well, and the problem we with- try not to fill each other in right. on anything because we save it for here.
0: Well, that's true, and it's actually, I think that's that's exacerbated by the time gap because it's like. If if we're seeing each other every few days, we don't have to worry about that so much. Yeah. But when there's been longer gaps, it's like, well, wait a second. If we're not careful here, we'll still do a show. Yeah. You know. But but that's the whole it was, point of taking last the phone
1: month phone of this calls, month dude. rough, just doing three shows of the ACB.
0: I know it has been. Wow. So uh, so we just got to ride out September here, and then you're you're around for more of October. Yeah. Right?
1: In fact, actually, the rest of my schedule, I was looking at, unless something happens and something gets thrown in there, I only have. Oh, it's October. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> Did
0: you just remember something else? Yeah. So, for
1: the most part, there's only two ACVs a month. and uh, But
0: um,
1: uh, Mrs. Muir just reminded me that, uh, that there might be a Monaco trip in there somewhere. So.
0: <laughs> Monaco? Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. If, once I, I don't remember exactly what it's for. It's some kind of... Uh,
0: I, it's I was, probably where you got to go drop off all the money. I think that's where people have like these bizarre, like, uh, oh, yeah. tax tax. Yeah, shelter. yeah, no, there, like a, yeah. There's
1: actually a, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. There's a uh, a show there, an expo for, uh, I think network television sports and whatnot. And oh, okay. So uh, the ACB's going to go there, so I'm going to go there also. Oh, wow. All right. So, and, and the only thing I asked for was, uh, to, you know, bring the wife because, yeah, I'm pretty sure going to Monaco by myself wasn't going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well. Oh uh, well, no, because it's a beautiful place.
1: Like, not saying because you don't want me to go by myself, but because
0: yeah, you don't you want know, to miss out on a yeah. Monaco you know how many places trip? that
1: I go to that I don't go check out because if I know that my wife wants to see those places. Oh yeah. You know what I mean, like I'm like, all right, you know, someone's to take a picture. Like you went to the zoo. I'm like, ah, it was cool, you know. So yeah, I, I got to pick my poisons. So, all right, she doesn't care about this, so I can go yeah.
0: to it, You know. Yeah, and then she doesn't clamor to go to Tajikistan, so then you're free yeah. to explore. Yeah, Yeah,
1: you know what, in fact, actually this last time when I was in uh, Dushanbe, Uh I was going around It's such an old place, you know, this old culture and stuff, and I'm like, hey, let's check this out, I'm like, oh, babe, you're really gonna like it, I gotta bring you here, Uh and I can just tell, it's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh, I'm like, I guess I'm going by myself, (laughs) and I'm
0: and we, all right we got to, and i'll tell you what the world's been crazy too the we got all kinds of yeah, current we'll events up, to catch up more on hurricanes so, and- yep yep so we'll that's just at the un so we'll do that uh on our <laughs> uh next episode frank tell them about the amazon banner at phoneboothfighting.com
1: well hey it's one of the easiest ways to support the show you do any of your uh your online purchases for your needs and wants um basically by going through the banner on our website on phone Booth you can now then make sure that any of those purchases no additional cost to you we get a small percentage back to us here at the show that we can use for uh getting better stuff
0: that's it we adding cameras and lights and decor and all that sort of thing not to mention uh, travel expenses because we'll have somebody to take this show on the road we we're we getting requests people are asking us to come out and uh, do live shows in different markets and things like that we definitely want to be able to bring all that uh, to you so thank you for supporting the show that way also the uh, the merch store is up at com. if you want to get official show merchandise, t-shirts, posters, etc it's all there available for for you as well. Uh, Get the podcast and uh, iTunes, Google play, Stitcher radio, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are available, please. uh, As uh, you've heard us mention before, if you're on our iTunes page, uh, give us those five stars uh, in the review section. That's tremendously helpful to us. And if you have a moment or two, write a favorable review but the best thing you can do the most important thing the most valuable thing you can do is tell a friend about phone booth fighting that's how we're going to grow this thing alright Frank tell them how they can follow us on social media
1: on uh, Facebook and Instagram you can find us at phone booth fighting if you're on Snapchat or Twitter just phone booth fight
0: for Frank Mirror and Travis over there doing a great job producing and Mrs. Mirror sitting in on this uh, episode I'm Richard Hunter we'll see you next time
1: everybody was kung fu. For-